One drive from Saturday is exactly why Evan Prater should start on Friday. Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As my grandmother would say, happy pizza and apple pie day, because it's the day before Thanksgiving, and I am right here, Alex Frank, your host, each and every day right here on Lockdown Bearcats, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. We're free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Subscribe to our Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel. Follow it, too, to get an alert every time we drop a new episode. As you see on your screen, today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. They help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Alex Frank with you, your host each and every day, right here on Lockdown Bearcats, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I've already said that once, but that's okay. So let me take you back to Saturday because there was one drive in the Bearcats game against Temple. One drive that summarizes exactly why Evan Prater should be the starter. Let me take you to that drive. It happened in, I believe, the third quarter. Up the third quarter. No, not the, yeah, it did happen in the third quarter, sorry. So, the third quarter. Here's how that drive went. First and 10 from the Cincinnati 20. Evan Prater, eight-yard completion to Tyler Scott. Next pass attempt, first and 10 from the 34. Evan Prater over the middle to Trey Tucker for 16 yards. And by the way, that throw was an absolute zinger over the middle of the field. An absolute zinger. It was incredible. All right, that gets the Bearcats to midfield. Then Evan Prater goes RPO to Tyler or Josh Wiley, excuse me, 16 yards down to the Temple 34. Then he goes to Jaden Thompson for four yards. See a pattern here? Four, actually, yeah, four straight completions. Then he hits Trey Tucker again over the middle down to the Temple 10-yard line. Final pass, nine-yard pass to Wiley, who was just tripped up before the end zone. Otherwise, we're talking about Prater's first career touchdown. That drive right there showed why Evan Prater should be this team starter, right? Poised in the pocket, got the ball out quick. Knew where he was going with it. The RPO game was winning. Offensive linemen were pulling all these blocks. That's what you want to see from your quarterback. That's what I want to see from Evan Prater in this Bearcats offense. Did you see how much the Bearcats were able to do offensively with Evan Prater in the game? It wasn't just a simple drop back, wait for the play to develop, but your offensive line can't hold up in pass protection. And by the way, it wasn't like it was Evan Prater's fault. He was sacked four times. Temple came into this game leading the American Conference in tackles for loss and sacks. And by the way, they were second in the country with 36 sacks on the season. This was a very good Temple defensive line. Leighton Jordan had a phenomenal game on Saturday. I mean, the, Temple's defense is what kept them in the game, if you think about it. You look at some of the defensive numbers for Temple. Um, 
Leighton Jordan had two and a half sacks, three and a half tackles for loss. Uh, Jerquavian Mahoney, if that's how you pronounce his name, sack and a tackle for loss. J- Jordan McKee, McGee, sack and a half or, or half a sack, half a tackle for loss. And then Balansama Camara with a half a sack. This Temple defense is pretty dang good. And the Bearcats went in there with Evan Prater, and yeah, he was sacked four times. But when he wasn't, he was really, really good. He, his throws looked better this time watching the replay of the game than, um, than the game live. So that drive up 20-3 to in the third quarter is exactly why Evan Prater should be the starter, right? Four straight completions over the middle to the outside, RPO. This, it was like watching Desmond Ritter again. Now, I said I was going to tell you what it was like to watch the game with Ben Bryant in the offense. Uh, it was a struggle, okay? Um, now, then again, and, and I know some of you may disagree with me here, I think a big problem with this offense is not the quarterback. I think it's the offensive line, and I also think it's the receivers. They're dropping passes, right? I counted three drop passes on, on Saturday. Some of them were pass breakups. But these receivers are not getting open very easily. Um, I thought with Ben Bryant in the game, and, and, and here's, here's something really telling. So the Bearcats on their first offensive possession, I mean, and this was hard to watch again as it was live. Um, the first possession of the game for the Bearcats, they get down to the Temple 12-yard line. Brian throws a pass to Wiley for five yards. The next six plays, one pass from the seven-yard line. I don't know what to make of that. I don't know if that's Gino Gadulli not trusting Ben Bryant. I don't know if it's they want to try to pound it in the end zone, which they clearly could not do. I don't know if it's they don't have confidence in the RPO game, which they should. I don't know what it is, but but Dagomit. That was a terrible sequence of plays. You got to do better than that. If you're Gino Gadulli, and if you're, I mean, you got to execute better. You got to execute better than that. It, I mean, it boggles my mind how you, you, you couldn't throw a lot pass to Mardner. You couldn't, you know, maybe get Thompson, you know, on a out route or something, or Tyler Scott, or, I mean, Leonard Taylor wasn't there, but you couldn't get Wiley in the end zone. I mean, there were so many things you could have done. You could have done like a wheel route. I mean, there's options. It's just with Ben Bryant in the game, I think Gino thinks that his play calling is limited because of what happened in the end in the end of game, because of what happened in the previous three games where they couldn't run the football. But the running game is better. Like Ryan Montgomery had a season high in both rushing yards and carries. Like there's a reason, there's a reason, I mean, he might be the reason why the running game gets going this late in the season. And it's not too late. What makes this win so great is it's proving that Cincinnati, like, they're getting better. They ran the football well. It's not too late. They still got two games left to run the football. Maybe three. And Evan Prater gives you the ability to do that. You saw the ball was spread much more around. And here's another play that stood out to me. There was a second and seventeen. A second and 17. That was, I believe, in the second quarter. So Prater's first possession of the game. First possession of the game. The first possession of the game that Prater was in. No, actually was not. 
where was it then? Um, might have been the third quarter, actually. I just thought it was in the second quarter, but I did document this. So we go to the third quarter. Second and 17 from the Bearcats' 48-yard line. Evan Prater runs left for five yards. No panic, second and 17 there. All right? When it's second and long, you're seeing Evan Prater. He's not panicking. He is not panicking on second and long. Ben Bryant would have been sacked for five yards. But Evan Prater's escapability and his poise and keeping his eyes downfield and looking to make plays, that's what's going to be able to ignite this offense. If Cincinnati's able to do that, they're going to be they're going to be in position to win a conference championship. But the film just clearly shows why Evan Prater should start. Ben Bryant had three passes batted down on Saturday. Right? I mean, they're calling quarterback sneaks on third and two, which I really don't know why. And, like, again, there was an RPO to um, Josh Wiley with 9.25 to go in the third quarter. Um, what play was that? Um, yeah. It was when Evan Prater ran for 15 yards after hitting Trey Tucker on third and six. Just calmly ran to the left. Um, I believe Josh Wiley pulled from the right, came all the way to the left with a block. That play right there is the Bearcats' offense we've known these last four years. All right, coming up. If the Bearcats lose on Saturday, is this season a failure? I'll explain my views on that after I tell you how this episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs because LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. I have experience. Um, This is how we assembled a staff at Bearcast Media. Um, Very positive experiences. They posted their resumes. I I found them and we hired them and they were good to go. It's so easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. I did it when I handed down the sports director position to Sean McMahon, my successor. All you have to do is create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs and add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's very important we finish the year strong and how the right team member can help you do that. That's what we did at Bearcast Media. Um, Got a lot of new members in my first season, second, and third. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms, conditions, apply. Are you looking to make a move? Well, take the guesswork out of the home buying process and hire a professional real estate team with a track record of success. Debbie Weckstein Frank is a realtor with Coldwell Banker Heritage and Steve Maloney is a lender with First Community Mortgage. They will be there to help you every step of the way. Debbie and Steve, both longtime Miami Valley residents, have helped hundreds of people just like you find the home of their dreams. Call Debbie right now at 937-672-3942. That's 937-672-3942. Or visit teamweck.com. Thanks for making Locked On Bearcats your first listen today. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast.
All right, so a lot of you might think that the Bearcats, if they lose on Friday, did I say Saturday in the uh, tease? I, I said Friday. I'm not, I'm not even going to listen back to it because I know I said Friday. Um, I know what you're thinking. If the Bearcats lose Friday, the season is a failure. I am going to have to agree on that. Now, I'm not going to dwell on that. I'm going to be disappointed if the Bearcats lose on Friday because I wish they could have done more. But objectively, considering what this program has accomplished and considering what this program still is and where they're going, not even playing for a conference championship, I, I, I don't think that would go well in terms of, you know, when we look back on this season. Your final game, regular season as an American Conference member, you've got 32 straight home wins. You're putting on the line, and the expectation is to play for a conference championship, especially in the American. You know, if you lose this game on Friday, you're heading to a bowl game that outside of Cincinnati and wherever your opponent is from, I don't think a lot of people are going to take much take much interest in. Because you've ha- you have the opportunity to create, to control your own destiny. And if you can't capitalize on that, that would be the biggest issue I have. If UCF had won on, on Saturday, okay, you know, you didn't miss out on much. But you're playing for the right to host the championship game, which is something that we've gotten used to. And if the Bearcats win, I think we can just finally move past whatever is bothering us about the struggles for this season. Because to me, there is still a lot to play for. You win this game on Friday, you finish 7-1 and in the AAC. You finish undefeated at home for the season. You got 33 straight home wins. I mean, what more could you ask for of an opportunity? But if you lose this game and and don't take advantage of it, it's hard for me to say that the season is still a success. You can finish 10-3. and And I'm still going to say that you left some things out on the table. Now, on the other side, there's this. Right, the fact that they're nine and two, and this is something the TV broadcasters were talking about on Saturday. The fact that the Bearcats are nine and two after losing all the talent they lost last year. The fact that they're nine and two and lost all the talent last year is amazing. Ben Bryant has struggled. The offensive line has been not what we thought. Running game has not been what we thought. And the defense at times has been inconsistent. But I heard this comparison, Chad Brendel and uh, Elliot Rearing were talking about this. Elliot's one of my former staff members of Aircast Media, by the way. Um, Chad and Elliot were talking about this on Monday. The Bearcats are doing just enough to win games. Like, they're, they don't wow you in any way. They compare it to the Baltimore Ravens, what they're doing this year. The Bearcats, like, I mean, nothing about them impresses you. Ivan Pace certainly does. I mean, maybe Ryan Coe. I mean, Ryan Coe has been really, <laughs> I mean, he's been great in the second half. I mean, maybe he, uh, maybe he hung out with uh, Evan McPherson on the, uh, during the bye week. Um, he's been money. So the fact that they're still here, despite all the talent that they lost, is amazing to me. It's a testament to Luke Fickle's recruiting. It's a testament to the culture. It's a testament to they make enough plays to win games. That's this team's identity. Look at the big plays they made on Saturday. Four turnovers, the touchdown to Tucker, Ryan Montgomery's touchdown, 
bunch of Prater runs. Guys, this team, this team made a bunch of big plays. I'm sorry, two interceptions, two fumbles. They made a lot of plays in that game on Saturday. They did what they needed to do. They went into Temple and just took them out of the game, right? And that win to me might be the most impressive of the season because of the environment, because of what they were up against, because of the change of quarterback. They got the running game sort of revitalized. They got a lot right on Saturday. I know it wasn't the prettiest game to watch. It didn't have to be, right? This team has overcome injuries to Malik Van. They over, they've overcome an injury to Jake Renfro. Lorenz Metz has been hurt all season. And the fact that they're still in this position is actually kind of impressive. I'm not going to dwell on this season being a failure if, if that's how it's viewed. I'll be disappointed if they lose on Friday because the home game winning streak will be over. I'll feel bad for the seniors. I'm going to feel bad for just, you know, I'm just going to feel like this isn't what we're used to. The season, the season essentially ending in November. I'm going to care about the bowl game. But like since 2019, we've known this program to play for a championship of some sort. And that is the expectation. Not put on by outside, but Luke Fickle internally. Remember that letter that I explained before the UCF game? And you know this. Luke Fickle said it. In that letter he wrote to the student body, I remember reading that letter in my dorm room. Say, Luke Fickle said that Cincinnati was going to put a championship product on the field next year. He just went four and eight. I should have believed him then. I do now. Because every year we see it. Every year. They haven't lost a home game since. They've played for three championships. They've won two, and they've played at the college football playoff. Luke Fickle's a darn good coach, right? You can not like the fact that he started Ben Bryant 10, 11 straight games. Here's the thing about it. Transparency is a big thing about him. So the fact that they're here is a testament to Fickle and culture. It doesn't matter how the game is going. Play hard. They've got now played in several games this year, and they've still been close to winning or have won, right? So who's to say they can't do it again on Friday? In a way, I almost feel like this team has exceeded expectations. They've won the game. They've won games they shouldn't have won. ECU, they shouldn't have won. Heck, USF, they shouldn't have won. Maybe even SMU. If they do lose on Friday, which, I mean, we obviously hope they don't, Maybe you can just say, you know what, their luck ran out. Now, I don't think that's going to be the case. Objectively, I think this season will be a failure, and I, I can't hide from that. But I'm not going to dwell on that because I know where this program has been. Coming up, what if I told you the Bearcats wouldn't even be in this position if it weren't for something that happened on December 5th 2009, and it's not Pike to Bins. Ooh, how's that for a tease? I'll explain after I tell you how this episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by Bet Online. 
BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. Sorry, I had to get a drink of water. From ba- football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Your mobile device. Let me rephrase that. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Looking to make a move? Well, take the guesswork out of the home buying process and hire a professional real estate team with a track record of success. Debbie Weckstein Frank is a realtor with Coldwell Banker Heritage, Coldwell Banker Heritage, and Steve Maloney is a lender with First Community Mortgage. They will be there to help you every step of the way. Debbie and Steve are both longtime Miami Valley residents who have helped hundreds of people just like you find the home of their dreams. Call Debbie right now at 937-672-3942. That's 937-672-3942 or visit teamweck.com. All right, so David Ubin, I didn't pronounce that name right, I apologize, tweeted this on Monday, and I retweeted it. The only college football game to ever add stoppage time was the 2009 Big 12 championship game. We remember that game. If you remember to December 5th, 2009, as well as I do, and boy, I remember it. I remember screaming in my house, my mom and I screaming when Pike to Bins. I also remember the Big 12 championship game. Texas gets seconds added back onto the clock. Kick the game-winning field goal. They go to the national championship. Cincinnati goes to the Sugar Bowl. It's one of the biggest what-ifs in Cincinnati football history. And you can go many different ways with this. Look, what Cincinnati has accomplished under Luke Fickle is nothing short of spectacular. And what they could accomplish this year could be just as good. But let's not forget what happened on December 5th, 2009. I remember it. What if time wasn't added back on the clock? Well, the Bearcats go to the national championship. Brian Kelly probably stays and doesn't take the Notre Dame job. Notre Dame was looking for a coach. So if the Bearcats were going to play for a national championship, that was not going to happen. Then you ask yourself, well, how much longer does Kelly stay? One, two, three years? Does he stay long enough for the Bearcats to be on the right side of conference realignment back in 2013 as opposed to um, having to wait nine more years? So to me, that whole, what happened on that night has been reverberating through this program for 13 years. I don't know if Brian Kelly would have stayed long enough for conference realignment. I don't know if he would have stayed after conference realignment. I don't know. I do know if he had stayed long enough, perhaps the program wouldn't have had to hire Tommy Tuberville. Where does he end up? This program doesn't bottom out. So where's Luke Fickle? Right? You know, this program wouldn't have bottomed out to the point where they need to hire Luke Fickle. He comes in, completely changes the program to heist. I never expected. But it is, it is worth wondering when you think about it, where this program would be 
would they already be in a Power Five conference? You know, I mean, which conference would they be in? You know, scheduling. Would they have scheduled Notre Dame and UCLA? Would Desmond Ritter have committed to Cincinnati? I mean, would anybody who helped build this program, Sauce Gardner, would they even look at guys like that? Building blocks of this program may not have happened if time had not been added back on to the clock in the Big 12 championship game in 2009. That got me thinking about where this program would be if the Bearcats had played for a national championship in 2009. I don't know. But, I mean, it could have gone a lot of different ways. If Brian Kelly does leave, you know, maybe things are still similar. I don't know. But it is worth wondering if Kelly had stayed. It is worth wondering, you know, how long he would have stayed. Would he still be here? Would he end up taking the Notre Dame job after? I mean, who would? I mean, who knows who Notre Dame would have hired? You know, there's just so many questions that you can ask yourself. And where this program is now, you know, I think what this program has done under Luke Fickle has made me appreciate 2009 so much more. I am a big fan of Brian Kelly, and I always will be. Because of what he did for UC football. He made you care. That's why we were so upset about where this program was. That's why we were upset about where it was in 2016. Because we were so close in 2009. And just immediately or gradually you know, hit that point. You know, 4-8. and eight, And essentially not being... No one outside of Cincinnati. Now you're playing in front of sold-out crowds. You're playing in marquee games. You're playing for championships. You're going to the Big 12. You can ask yourself, what if the Bearcats had played for a national championship in 2009, or what if time hadn't been added back onto the clock? I think about how what Luke Fickle has done for this program has made me appreciate 2009 so much more. Right? This team has a lot of history, and they've accomplished a lot of things since really Brian Kelly started. In the last 15 years, they have, I, I think, eight 10-win seasons. 07, 08, 09, 11, 12, um, 18, 19, 21. Eight 10-win seasons, right? They've been to four New Year's Six BCS Bowl games. And I get it, they're 0-4 in those games. But they've been there. A lot of programs of Cincinnati can't say that. Boise State's been to several, I know, UCF, Houston. I get all that. But you still go, I mean, considering where this program was before Brian Kelly and how far it's come, every program has that coach who's an icon. Vince Dooley at Georgia. um, Bear Bryant. Lou Holt, um, I mean, Notre Dame's got several. Um, uh, sorry, I'm blanking for a minute. Um, Philip Fulmer at Tennessee. Every program has that iconic head coach who helped build the program to, you know, where it is. 
when I think about Luke Fickle, that's what I think about, right? But if it wasn't for time being added, I mean, how would Brian Kelly be viewed at Cincinnati? Would you, I mean, you would probably still embrace him because he made you care about UC football. But what Luke Fickle's done is made me appreciate 2009 and what Brian Kelly did for the program. And I get a lot of you were ecstatic when the Bearcats beat Notre Dame last year. I was because we won a game in Notre Dame. Not because we beat Brian Kelly. Right? Because I appreciate what Kelly has done for the program. Did. I know you might still hold still whatever it is. But just think about what if time had not been added back onto the clock in the Big 12 championship. Where would this program be? I don't know. Not I mean, I mean, I don't know if they're playing for the right to host an American championship game. The right to host a third straight championship game. Who knows if they get into a Power 5 conference, how they do. How is recruiting? Do they struggle? A lot of questions you can ask. Coming up tomorrow and Friday, Russ Heldman will join me on one episode. Still working on getting Maddie Hudak from Tulane on the show. Previewing the Bearcats-Tulane showdown on Black Friday. And getting you set for championship season. Lockdown Bearcats is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Follow me on Twitter if you want to at Frankie underscore Natty with two N's and an ATI. You can follow me on Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore. Email me at Alex3Frank at gmail.com. Hey, thanks for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen today. How about for your oops? How about for your second listen today? Check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Lockdown can provide. Lockdown Sports Today. Available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. For Lockdown Bearcats, I'm Alex Frank. Have a great rest of your day. Enjoy your um, enjoy your time with your families. Um, travel safe. Stay safe. Stay healthy so you can enjoy your time with your families. Enjoy the game on Friday. And keep making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. For Lockdown Bearcats, I'm Alex Frank. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.